Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am here. My name is Felipe. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I am tired. I am very, very tired. But guess what? I'm here. We're going to talk some baseball. And then I'm probably going to (laughs) crash. All right. That's the way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. Well, I appreciate you uh, being this tired and still going. You know what it is, Sean? You're, You're going out there without your best stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you're going out there without your best stuff so that you you know pitchers tend to do that right yeah and you know what happens a lot when they don't have their best stuff you know what they resort to foreign substances you mean no they would never <laughs> what's the answer oh that that's i it was open-ended i i oh. thought that's what you were going to talk about <laughs> oh yeah well it, it does they do resort to foreign substances apparently whether they have their good stuff or not as uh we like to start this show off with uh with a little article from uh the athletic by uh, eno saris all hail eno oh you still there with us felipe and the like they realize that anywhere between 75 percent and even close to 99 percent of pitchers are using some sort of foreign substance to get by and it's the same theme that we've been talking about all season long sean i mean is everybody cheats everybody cheats it doesn't matter if they're using trash cans or hairspray or, 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 or as Pedro Martinez say, hey, if I have a jerry curl, I, I, I sometimes have to touch my jerry curl to make sure that everything's proper, right? And to make sure that I get a better grip on the baseball. But, <laughs> but everybody cheats. It's, it's, it's grown men trying to get to the show and also grown men trying to stay on the show. And I just sent you a, a quote from Nolan Ryan that said, what, what did it say something about you know what? I would not be above not cheating or cheating or something to that effect. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, the, exact, the exact quote, for now, the tactic has been around for so long and has been endured with so few consequences that it's practically a tradition. Ryan wrote in his autobiography, cheating is accepted in baseball, so I participated. So I participated, and, and that's everybody's hero. You, you, you ask these in the Baseball Life group, which is this is where we're, we're airing this right now on the Baseball Life uh, Facebook group. Come join us. We're about close to getting to that 6,000 number. Uh, the, it's Honestly, it's the best baseball group you can be a part of. We are starting, as you saw, uh, they're starting the uh, Secret Santa again. So, so yeah, you want to be a part of the Secret Santa, <laughs> this large baseball group, by all means. Although this year, I, I think they're going to be a little bit tighter with it, but read the details in the announcements for more information. But that's Nolan Ryan saying that. Nolan Ryan, no problems with cheating because it offered him, like, longevity. It offered him strikeout records. It offered him to pad the stats to his illustrious career. I mean, he pitched seven no-hitters. And now I'm kind of thinking like, okay, how much of that was supposedly clean? You know, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's just, this is why I didn't have too much of an issue with the Astros. I mean, I was pretty apathetic to the whole thing. And I, I'm, I was, and like I told you, Sean, a long time ago, I was pretty surprised how big of a deal everybody made it seem. I honestly thought this was just going to get un- swept under the rug, forget about it. Real baseball's coming soon. 
and no, it became this long, year-long thing where, oh, they're a bunch of cheaters. Oh, they, 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 they suck. They, they weren't good to begin with. They had to do it. They had to resort to this. And it's like, well, it's no different than Barry Bonds injecting himself with the clear, uh, with, with steroids or, 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 or the cream or the clear or whatever, or Roger Clemens having to uh, use injections for himself to, so he could be a relevant pitcher in the nineties, you know? So like I said, it's a game full of cheaters. If you look at the history of baseball, everybody's been cheating since the very beginning of time. And it's just, you know, what, what do you do, Sean? And I think after listening to the podcast with Eno Saris and Britt and uh, DVR, they came, they came to the conclusion, like, if you have all these rules, and this is something I've been saying from the very beginning, too, of the, of the trash can scandal with the Houston Astros. If you have all these rules, and if you can't enforce them, what is the point of having these rules? It just can't be like, oh, well, this form of cheating is acceptable, but this form of cheating is not acceptable. It's all cheating! You're breaking rules. They're literally written rules. You can't even say, well, those are unwritten rules and baseball players have to shut up and, and, and put their pants on. No, these are literally in the rule book. You're not supposed to use foreign substance to make the baseball to your advantage. That's baseball 101. You're not supposed to do that. So I don't know. It's, it's to the point where maybe maybe Britain and those guys over at the, the Athletic are right. Maybe you just let everybody cheat. You let everybody use steroids. <laughs> Fuck it all. Throw the rule book out. Just let everybody do what they want. I mean, it, it's, it's really what it comes down to because I'm just tired of it, Sean. It's like one form of cheating is a no-no, but another form of cheating is a wink-wink, nudge-nudge kind of thing. And then, No. What's the point then? Am, am I, am I uh, going overboard here, Sean? What do you think about this? No, I, I do think it's one of those that some hitters would even say has been unfair. As Like you talk to a lot of the hitters and they, they know that the pitchers are – most of them are using something yeah and the hitters say well they can use that but if i have a little bit too much pine tar on my bat i get yelled at and then i have to go get a new bat and it's so weird because then you'll see players like uh justin turner in the playoffs had that big old smear of pine tar right (laughs) on like the last three letters of his name and it's like why do you why do you have that why and we all know why but we just don't answer the question so it is one of those open-ended, we'll see where things go. And of course, you know, we can't talk about cheating in foreign substances without addressing the, the key marquee free agent, which is going to be the, the main topic of our show today, which is the 2020-2021 free agent class. But Trevor Bauer was even on record saying that you can't increase your spin rate by 300, 400 RPM without increasing velocity without the use of a foreign substance. And what does Trevor Bauer do from twenty or 2019 to 2020? He increases his RPM by 400, by 400 um, without inc- drastically increasing his fastball velocity. And it's one of those, is he basically telling us he was? Or, I mean, like, what's going on there? And if it was some sort of foreign substance, did he only do it this year because it's a contract year. It's time to get paid. He has to put up or shut up. I, I don't know. It's a very, it's very intriguing. Yeah, very, oh, nefarious. That's, that's pulled that one out of the lexicon. I like I mean, that. I mean, think about it. He's the guy who's every, that's everybody's champion right there. That's the guy. That's everybody's uh, popular. You know, I'm here fighting for the common man and I'm here to make baseball great again. That's the guy right there. And he goes out, uses foreign substance to do all the things you just mentioned. 
and gets a Cy Young award and we're all celebrating. Well, not me, but we're all celebrating. All I see is a guy who cheated, who was a, an, un, a what do you call it? A underachieving baseball pitcher who realized that the best way to do things is to put a little doctoring on that baseball. And now he's a Cy Young award winner. Listen, he's always had that. But, pedigree, what, right? but we, we just talked about how Nolan Ryan was doing it. So what would be the difference in say no Trevor Baffert? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, it's the same freaking thing. I mean, it, it, and it's like they said, why even have rule books if you're not going to enforce? Again, and that's all that came down to with what I was saying all year long. If you have these on the rule books, but you have no way of enforcing them, then these are no rules. They're just, they're just honor codes. And there is no honor among thieves, man. These are all baseball players are the most despicable people you could ever find because it's a very difficult game. And at the end of the day, Sean, and then we'll move on to the next thing. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that it has to work and winning is everything. We just saw the two managers that were involved in the Houston Astros get hired right away because baseball teams want to win. But Al Davis said it best, just win, baby. And I know that's a football uh, act, uh, football lexicon or whatever, but it applies to all sports. It just, I don't know why baseball, with the morality compass in this society, why they're the, why they're the standard while all these other sports get away with this glorified cheating in football, everybody cheats in football. They all you're using PD. They're all using injections. They're all using little edges to get by. But it's okay when they do it. But when baseball players do it, oh my God, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to point out the, you know, we are a, we do have a baseball group here on Facebook, right? And we consider ourselves family here. Um, and right here. Stephen Botwell and real quick shout out to two people, Jacob Anthony Moses uh, and Stephen Botwell, who have gone above and beyond the call of duty to get my daughter like presents. I don't know what I have done to deserve <laughs> all this attention or whatnot, or what my baby has done to uh, get this, all these uh, little toys or whatever. But I, I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart and Stephen Botwell, who has a large collection of baseballs that he, I guess he catches like, uh, he gets to the ballpark early enough to catch these home run balls, and then he asks the players to to uh, sign them. Uh, and for those who can't see, I'm holding up a autographed baseball by I forgot which team it was, the 2016 or 2017 uh, Texas Rangers. Hey and, now, yeah, and because you know he found out that I was a big Joey Gallo fan because he was he was on my fantasy team in 2019. He goes, you know, I have a a Texas Rangers uh, autographed baseball, and the big name on it is Joey Gallo. So he went ahead and sent this over to me. I haven't had a chance to uh, publicly thank him or, or take a picture, but I figure I might as well do it on this podcast. And for those who can see it, uh, this is all from Stephen Botwell's collection. He has a large collection of baseballs that have been autographed. He's a big uh, baseball collector. And uh, he decided that, hey, you know what, Felipe, have one of mine. It's on the house. So I thank Stephen from Dallas, uh, from the Dallas area, who's a big Texas Rangers fan, for sending that, sending that over to me. So much appreciated, brother. And I appreciate all you guys who've yep. been very nice for me this whole year uh, with the baby and giving me uh, not just uh, presents for the baby, but also words of encouragement. And again, it's, you know, it's, it's, we're more than just a baseball group. We're a family here. And like I mentioned, there is a, a secret Santa uh, activity going on right now. Uh, the due date is Monday, I believe Monday night. So if you want to participate, go ahead and participate with uh, uh, and get the details and the announcements there. So, so there's the rant and there's the uh, the act of goodwill. Uh, what's next on the docket there, uh, Sean? Um, oh, right. We're talking free agents, right? Free agents. There you go. All right. Well, it's that part of the show where I go ahead and 
let Microsoft Excel do all the work for me. And <laughs> let me know if you could see it. These but, damn yeah. nerds and their spreadsheets are ruining baseball. But yeah, guess what? Though- we might be ruining baseball, but we're putting out the best baseball podcast that we know how to. So yeah. there's and, that. And most importantly, at least we don't cheat like all these other players yeah. do. Like yeah, we're, we're not cheating. Are you sure yeah. you're not fudging the numbers a little bit? You know, yeah, maybe maybe players. knocking Trevor Bauer down just a little bit to make yourself feel better. Wait, that's all him, man. He's the one who doesn't <laughs> want to sign long-term deals. So, you know, I don't know. If, if I'm Trevor Bauer and if I've just been cheating this whole time to get where I am to be uh, projected to make that much money, and I forgot what the Dong City guys said. I was trying to pay attention uh, to the Dong City guys to kind of uh, use them as a gauge as to what the money would be. I believe Henry's – and now Henry's – I think he's listening. Yes. I believe Henry said four years, uh, $120 million. And the, the projected numbers here are from Fangraphs. Those are the numbers. It, it says yeah. something about crowdsourcing. I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to go ahead and say those are Fangraph numbers. So let's start with Trevor Bauer since we were talking about it. What do you give a cheater? How much money do you give a cheater uh, after winning a Cy Young Award? Who's only, uh, how old is he? He's going to be 30 years old. How much do you give him? I can't call him a cheater. That would be slander. Possible cheater, maybe. Uh, when it comes to Trevor Bauer here, he definitely has the highest AAV total that we're going to see, I believe, in this free agent period. But what I could see is, you know, Fangraphs has it as three years, $87 million. I think the three years is a little skeptical. I, I don't think it's going to be a three-year contract. More? But what, yes, I, I believe it's going to be at least four or five. But one of his, you know, one of the early runner running favorites for Trevor Bauer is my New York Mets. And mm. I look at a deal that the New York Mets made not that long ago, which could be a solid template that would satisfy both the team and Trevor Bauer. Now, we all know in 2015, the Mets traded for Ioannis Cespedes. He caught fire, hit like a, bil- a bajillion home runs in two months. And... He had to be released, which meant that the Mets probably weren't going to be able to sign him due to, you know, contract rules. But he waived that, and they just non-tendered him, which made them able to sign him or attempt to re-sign him. And that initial offer was for four years, and I believe uh, – or three years, $75 million. But it had an opt-out after one year. Yeah. He played the – Cespedes has played the 2016 season – opted out, and then netted another four-year, $120, $125 million contract. I could see something similar with Trevor Bauer and that, you know, we've heard that he wants a, a shorter deal and be able to hit free agency again. So why not throw in a four-year or five-year deal at him and give him an opt-out after the first year and an opt-out after the second or third year? Hmm. I, I think that would be an interesting situation and – the GM of the Mets at the time was Sandy Alderson, who is now the team president. I could see them going that route, and it would be interesting to see what other teams might offer him. We've seen a lot of deferrals when it comes to starting pitchers lately. Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, and Max Scherzer, all of the Nationals. Uh, we should, just, yeah, we should, we should just start calling them the Washington deferrals. Um, <laughs> but I don't think Trevor Bauer is going to be the one who wants to go for deferrals. That, that yeah. does he doesn't strike me as that type. So it'll be very interesting to see. I think he definitely gets more than three years, but look for an opt out after year one or two. 
Wow. All right. I, you threw me a curveball. You threw me a, a, a high RPM curveball from Trevor Bauer after using <laughs> sticky stuff on his fingers and toes. And, you know, they put that shit on their belts. You know that, right? <laughs> hey, <laughs> the, the buckle, it just, it doesn't stay there. So it, it, it needs a little help. That's why. I, I, it's the not the, that they start hiding stuff in their crotch. Like, oh, I'm just fixing my cup. And then they start digging down there and shit. Like, oh yeah, that's, that, that's, ah, that's not very suspicious at all. That's not sus at all. Anyway, uh, I think the Dong City guys said that they had Bauer going to Los Angeles. One of them, I think one of them had him going to the Angels who, wow, if you get, if you get Trevor Bauer to the Angels, that, and if he continues to cheat the way he's been cheating this whole time, I mean, that's a big difference for the Angels. That just solidifies at least the top of the road. I'm going to say it. I'm going to call yeah. it. No, if we're going to just, let's call it for what it is. Stop laughing at me. If we're going to, he's obviously using. You know, listen, I always like Trevor Bauer, but I'm just so sick of him being like the, the moral compass. He's not the guy for you guys. He he he, he says something that's so fucking obvious. And like, oh, my God, he's so smart and he's so this and that. But anyway, get back to baseball talk here. I mean, that, that brings him a step closer to being somewhat respectable, especially in that weak ass division out in the West. And the uh, if you uh, are to believe that the Astros are on the downside of things, I mean, Bauer going to the angels might give them, you know, a sneaky edge to get a second place finish. Yeah. I mean, this is the same angels team that it seems like three years in a row has swung on and absolutely missed on every starting pitcher free agent. You know, last year they wanted Cole and Cole said swerve. They wanted Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler said, nah, I want to be on the East coast. Cause I don't know why. Uh, who is the there, – there was one more starting pitcher the year before. The name escapes me. They, so they, they've been looking – I mean, they, they signed Matt Harvey and uh, Julio Tehran, who combined for like a 12 ERA in their 20 starts. And they just <laughs> need to stop giving these one-year $10 million contracts to former all-star pitchers, and they need to get a bona fide ace. Like you said, if they got Trevor Bauer, that would be a – huge increase because I actually do like some of their arms that they have in the system guys like Patrick Sandoval Griffin Canning the issue with them has always been health and it will continue to be health but like you said that'd be a huge increase for him but I'm gonna stick with the trend I don't think he goes to LA I think it's gonna be another swing and a miss and then let's find a random guy who's been hurt a lot uh they're gonna throw a one-year 13 million dollar contract at Jake Arrieta and he's going to have a six ERA. So that's uh, they're going to keep on be, trying. That's a nightmare right there. You might as well <laughs> just go with the same scrubs you've been throwing out the last couple of years. Uh, I was going to say uh, Henry was the one who said Trevor Bauer would go to the Angels. And that means, I be- believe, if my memory serves me right, that means that Vince predicted Trevor Bauer going to the Dodgers. Oh, wow. God. If Trevor Bauer goes to the Dodgers, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in baseball as we've seen in your uh, uh, over the years and nothing's ever guaranteed nothing is linear but you put Trevor Bauer on the Dodgers you pretty much solidified their championship window to be open for the duration of his contract however long that contract's going to be whether it be three years four years five years I mean they already are stacked at the rotation and you put Trevor Bauer along with Clayton Kershaw Walker Bueller <laughs> Walker Bueller Texas Ranger and uh, <laughs> Julio Urias and Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. That I mean, Jesus Christ, that's not even fair anymore. Yeah, they might have to uh, break up the Dodgers somehow. But yeah, that that would be something. Uh, any other team you think that uh, 
because uh, Bauer is saying that he's available to all 30 teams, including, and I think Henry jokingly even, no, I don't know, not jokingly, I think he was serious when he said that, he, hey, don't be surprised if he goes to the Astros, but any other team that you uh, are seeing Bauer going to? Uh, or- the Pittsburgh Pirates. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I think there is a legitimate chance that no one's really talked about yet that he could stay in Cincinnati. I think he really likes what they're doing there, you know, bringing in the uh, Kyle Bodie and the driveline guys. I thought that was a, a great move, even if Tra- Trevor Bauer doesn't stay. But I, I do think that's a legitimate possibility of him staying wow. in Cincinnati. I don't know how it would work. I think it would definitely be one of those very short deals to give him another chance to opt out. But uh, Cincinnati, I think, is the dark horse, and he might circle around to them to give them one last chance at mat- at least matching an offer. Now, before we move on, I, I just kind of, while we're all talking about starting pitching, uh, we have had three other pitchers sign, starting pitchers sign with teams, two of them accepting qualifying offers, uh, being Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gossman, both 30-year-old starting pitchers who were hitting free agency for the first time and actually accepted their qualifying offers, which is becoming a more and more common occurrence. I believe we had one or two accepted last year, and we got another two accepted this year. I believe the Stroman one shocked a lot of people. Yeah. Were, were you shocked by that at all? A little bit. I mean, especially after seeing how weak this uh, starting pitch, outside of Trevor Bauer, I mean, outside of Trevor Bauer, it gets super weak uh, at starting pitching with this free agent class. And and maybe, maybe at 30 years old, maybe a team would say, you know what, there's still some untapped potential. Let's bring them in and uh, give them a long-term deal and see if we could get them going, you know, put him into, into that, uh, that, that ceiling that we thought he had with Toronto. But him coming back to the Mets was a real shocker to me. Um, I thought he would go out there and show what he was made out of. But, it, it, I mean, the fact that Stroman is back just tells me how murky this free agent um, this free agent uh, period is going to be. With COVID, with uh, baseball teams crying that they're poor now because of COVID and not having enough games or not having any fans in the stands, not even for next year, even though they're fighting for it, uh, to have more fans show up next season in 2021. But, I mean, if Stroman believes that he's not going to get the money he thinks he's going to get this year, then it, I mean, more power to him to get that qualifying offer. And I mean, 18.9 is still a lot of money uh, to give to uh, an I definitely think that would have been his ceiling of an AAV over a long-term deal. Uh, I, I don't think he would have gotten more than 19 million a year, which is partially why I th- think he accepted it. But the main reason I think he accepted it. And I talked about this with a couple other people, may- maybe you as well. And I want to ask you this in front of the audience is, do you think we're going to see another wave or not really another wave, a new wave of players that get offered the qualifying offer? I mean, that's if it stays past the next CBA, which could be very interesting, but we saw how the qualifying offer affected guys like Craig Kimbrell and um, uh, what was his name? Dallas Keuchel. And Mm that teams just weren't willing to part with one of their top draft picks plus shell out all this money for 30 plus year old players. Right. And is this going to be a wave of players that accept it, the qualifying offer when they're offered it the first time, because once you go after it, you're no longer, once he becomes a free agent next year, both Stroman and Gossman, 
they won't they won't be able to be offered a qualifying offer and therefore were hit the free agency market with no draft pick compensation attached to them. Do you think that we might see more players accept the QO for that exact reason? I mean, for a long time at the very beginning of, uh, uh, from what I remember of this qualifying offer and coming to existence, players were being told not to accept the qualifying offer and go into free agency and get paid and get that money. And, and, uh, teams were like, all right, fine. Give me that first round pick or whatever. Give me that compensation pick right now. And everything was good. And now we're seeing a trend where uh, you mentioned Kimbrell and Keiko getting burned by it. And now we've been seeing more players taking it. So I think the trend is now, yeah, fine. I'll take the qualifying offer. I don't think my prospects are any good in free agent class uh, in the free agency. So I'll just wait another year, get paid $19 million a year closer or close to it. And approve myself again in 2021 and hope to God I don't get injured. But at least I'm getting 19 million as opposed to waiting until what, June to start yeah. my year and then maybe get a decent contract. I mean, think about it. I think the Cubs gave Kimbrell a two year deal and I forgot how much money it was worth, but I don't, yeah, I'm really bad with the contract, uh, memorizing all these contracts. But I, maybe, maybe there might have been a little regret by Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell not taking that qualifying <laughs> offer. So, I think players are now learning like, Hey, you know what? This might not be such a bad thing after all. Just take the qualifying offer, take the money, wait another year for, uh, to see if I can get up maybe a more of a long-term deal next year. But I mean, Kevin Gossman going back to San Francisco can only help him because we saw how great he was over there. I mean, I, I was championing him as soon as he got signed by the giants. Hey, look out for Kevin Gossman. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do for him, but if he's a starting pitcher, go pick for, for fantasy purposes, go pick him up. He is worth it. And sure enough, he was. And now he's going to pitch another year in San Francisco where he's probably going to put the same numbers up because it's such a pitcher's paradise out there. And especially the, uh, the rest of the national league West. I mean, he held his own against the Dodgers. Yeah. I, I think there was a game on the road in LA where he held his own. So that should tell you all you need to know about West coast uh, uh, cooking for pitchers. Uh, so that can only help him. And Marcus Stroman, I, I you know, he, what he, didn't want to play because of because of the COVID danger. So the fact that he's uh, he accepted the eighteen point nine says more a lot about him being a more of a conservative uh, type of uh, person when it comes to his uh, his career, uh, his health, and his capabilities. So he's playing it safe. He plays it safe, is what I'm saying. Not 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 that he's politically conservative, but that he <laughs> that he's uh, kind of uh, that's his. Uh, he likes to have that insurance on him. So good for him. Uh, getting paid $19 million to be uh, an over-glorified number three starter. I mean, I still like him, but man, there's just, there's just more to, I wish there was, he showed me more. He could show me more. And last year, not him playing, it just was very frustrating because I wanted to see what he could do um, in a, with a, I guess, full, full season with the Mets, but here we are. But to answer your question, yeah, I think as long as there's going to be a qualifying offer stipulation involved and in, even including into the next CBA, I think you're going to see, uh, more players uh, for the next, uh, I don't know, maybe let's call it the next three years, even three years after the CBA gets ratified and they still keep this around, you will see more players continue to accept these qualifying offers, I, fully, I believe. Okay. So to the infield now, uh, this the free agent class as a whole to me seems really, really loaded. And with, like you said, teams crying that they're poor, I mean, are we going to see a lot of good value for teams, you know, in a normal year, say three years ago, you know, someone like 
Trevor Bauer is going to get Steven Strasburg money if he wants it. Possibly. He doesn't have that crazy postseason that led into Steven Strasburg's contract. Or a guy like George Springer gets a... I mean, George Springer might be lucky to get Charlie Blackman's contract, which was... Oh, <laughs> God. It was over $100 million. Oh, gosh. I have to look it up now. But it's... Do you think that there's going to be good values there or are these guys, once the market starts to heat up, once the hot stove starts to heat up, will they get paid? Will the, what's the, will teams actually kind of shed the the sheep's clothing of being poor? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think they're, they're going to play. I, once the elite guys are gone, like I would have to say these top four guys right here, the real Muto, Springers, Bowers, LeMahieu's of the world, it gets the the talent level just drops off uh, precipitously, and these guys they're out of luck. I mean, these pitchers right here—the Robbie Ray, Mike Minor, Chris Archers of the world—to me, they're basically the same guy. And if you're a major league baseball team, you don't want to. Why would you pay any of these guys any real amount of money that they're looking for? I mean, I guess a, a short-term two-year, two-year, one-year deal for those guys I just mentioned—that's fair. Even at seventeen million, it's a little bit a lot for me, even. And I'm a guy who says, it's not my money. What the hell do I care? But even for Robbie Ray, I'm like, I'm not paying him $17 million. Get out of here. But as far as the elite guys, I think they're going to get paid. Well, I mean, I look at it this way is, uh, so I was able to look it up. And Charlie Blackman, at the age of 32, signed an extension with the Colorado Rockies for six years, $108 million. A thing that people don't realize with George Springer is, and you can look at it right over there on your spreadsheet, he's 31 years old. Yeah. He's it, but it, he feels younger. He looks younger. I don't know what it is about him, but he's 31, which I mean, if you're dishing out the, the big get paid type contracts, you usually don't see them handed out to 31 and 32 year olds in free agency. Uh, the Charlie Blackman situation, I think, was a little different because he was already on the team and he'd been around for so long and stuff like that. But George Springer, I think is going to be lucky if he gets that $108 million. I'm not sure if he's going to get a five-year deal. I'm not sure if he's going to get a four-year deal. It, it could be either way. I know Mets fans are, are craving for him, and I think it's utterly ridiculous. They say, oh, we need a, a, a true center fielder. We need a true center fielder. He's 31 years old and has played more games in right field than he has or ever has and more innings in right field than he ever has in center field. How is that going to age well? And I, I say the same thing about JT Romuto. It's, oh, I, I don't want players that are going to age like milk. I mean, already, let's go look at Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain's, what, 34 now? And he just posted the slowest sprint speed of, enti- of his entire career. We talked about that last week, I think. It's like, it's worrisome because this is a guy that you're going to be paying market value for, which for George Springer, like we just said, it's probably going to be 25 plus million a year. And, you're going to have to maybe play him in center field for the first two years. And then guess what? You got another corner outfielder, which if you're the Mets, you already have like 17 of them. So you're right back where you started, except you're paying this guy $25 million a year. And guess what? Michael Conforto just became a free agent, but you can't pay him because you're already paying Springer 25 million and he needs to play right field because his knee hurts. Like, come on. Well, the reason you pay you, you go after these free agents is because it's you're you're banking on those first two or three years. What happens after those first uh, those that that first half of that contract? We all know what happens, right? It, it then that's when this contract just looks awful. Unless they bring back 
you know, injections of sorts, or they bring up <laughs> uh, amphetamines back, or they bring back the, uh, what's the other one that Chris Davis got uh, shut down for? Um, AD, uh, Adderall, Adderall. Yeah, if you bring back Adderall, you make everything okay. Like I've been, like we mentioned in the first segment, just make cheating legal again. You know what? Or not legal <laughs> again, but make it okay. Make it not so taboo. Let's run. Anyway. We can run as co-commissioners of baseball on that platform. Make anything cheating goes. fun again. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, we we there's a history of cheating. You know, with them trying to uh, win games, there's a history of cheating with baseball players trying to lose games. It's all there. I mean, shit. Now, Denny McLean was also cheating back then as he won 30 games uh he's the last 30 game winner he's in my mind because i was listening to a podcast about him but anyway george springer so the reason you get george springer if you're the mets is because you have a new owner new general manager you want to prove hey i'm here to make a big splash you want to make and my team's good enough already let's bring in some more let's bring in the cavalry let's bring in real muto might as well bring in real muto into this conversation as well you bring in real muto you bring in george springer you put their big bats in the lineup and you increase your chances of not of beating out the Marlins. I mean, that's inexcusable. You should not, I don't care how many games you're playing. You should not be losing to the Marlins. You should not be losing a playoff spot to the Marlins. All right. Hey, the They're Marlins had two extra weeks to rest. Well, <laughs> of course. I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously, you know, again, they cheated the COVID protocols and they got rewarded for it. So cheating works, you guys just, just try it. The only, the only thing that's the problematic for anybody who cheats is if you get caught, it's obvious what we're learning so far. But you put George Springer up there. Yeah, put him in center field or don't. Put him, revolve him around, you know, put him in center field, ref, center, it doesn't matter. So the, what matters is the bat. He's going to be productive for at least the first two or three seasons of that contract where you're going to maximize his uh, productivity, especially on this Mets team who is, is really loaded left-handed. And you know, what I, you know what I say about left-handed hitters? They get neutralized by left-handed pitching. So no. George Springer would act at, at that balance. Same thing with JT Ramuto. You will have a real catcher for the first time in, what, since Gary Carter? <laughs> oh, ouch! That hurts. I mean, seriously. What? Hey, hey, hey! Former Matt Hundley? just hey, hey! A former Met just won the 2020 Nash or former Met catcher just won the 2020 Silver Slugger for catcher. Thank you very much. That's put, the problem, put, though. Put some respect not, on Travis Darno's name. <laughs> but that's the problem. He's not with the Mets anymore. Like the Mets tried him for years, and he failed miserably with them. He goes to the Braves, and he. He gets it now, and he's still splitting time with Tyler Flowers. Well, I, was, I was about to say, you know what happened was the Braves didn't try and treat him like a number one catcher playing 90% of the games. He split <laughs> time, and he did really well. It's almost you, like splitting catchers is the future in baseball. What? And you give me so much grief about liking Salvador Perez's durability. Come on, man. You're just telling me Travis Darno is a great hitter, but he only plays about 50% of the time. Get out of here. So, but you know who I, plays all the – what's up? I, you were gonna say Jay Room Real Mewtwo plays all the time. Yeah. I mean, for the would part, would I mean, you would you believe me if I told you I'm starting to come around? I, I realize the Mets are probably gonna sign one of those top three. Why not go for both? Fuck it, just do it, man. They I mean, both. You see all those guys that have received qual. They've all received qualifying offers. They're not gonna sign more than one of them. I, I see Henry down in the comments saying they need a culture change, which I slightly agree with. But a culture change doesn't require ready? personnel change. I, I don't believe, at least on the field level, I don't see them getting both JT and Springer. I don't see them getting JT and Bauer. I, I think they get one of those guys. The penalties just get so stiff especially after that first one because after the first one it's not just your next draft pick it's international pool money it's the another draft pick and it's it just adds up very fast much much like the luxury tax so i think they get one of those guys and if they get one of those guys i'm torn i def i definitely don't want them to get springer i think we have options 
in the outfield just fine right now. Catcher seems to be a real obvious position of need for them. Yeah. Oh, and while, for sure. while Trevor Bauer would create one of the most formidable, probably one through four pitching staffs in baseball when Syndergaard comes back, because then you're going to have DeGrom, Syndergaard, Bauer, Stroman. That's it, it. You could throw Bartolo Colon back there in the fifth spot in the rotation, and they'd probably have one of the best staff ERAs in baseball. But I'm starting to think that JT Ron Muto might be the guy for them especially Thank with how you. this market Thank is starting to develop. I was worried that JT Romuto was going to want an eight-year, $200 million contract. Maybe he that, does. It, Maybe and, he if does. That, and if that's the case, he can sit on it and spin. Yeah, it's, I, I, I that much. But if it's something like four years and $100 million, front load the deal so that fourth year I can just kick to the curb with Steve Cohen's $14 billion, I mean, that's just like pennies to him. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm starting to come around on JT Real Muto if it's of no more than four year deal and no more than 120 million. I would go as high as 150 million. Oh maybe, my uh, God. Uh, what do I care? It's not my money, Steve Cohen. <laughs> you just mentioned Steve Cohen's a rich mofo. Yeah, what he just he said care? he's not going to spend like a drunken sailor, though. Yeah, well, he says that now, but come on. You, you, if you want to, if you want a culture change, you want all of that. You want to be not the little brother of New York. This is what you do. Because listen, if this was a team that was years away from contending, I, I'd be on the same boat as you are. But we saw the numbers. We saw that you went out of your way in our in your most recent dynasty mock draft, and you drafted ten Mets players or so, or or in whatever. No. It was a lot of Mets players. It's like, <laughs> you went full homer, but that's because you believe in those players. Now, if you don't believe in those players, that's another issue. Then then don't be a player in the free agent market. But you do, and I do. I'm a big fantasy Mets fan. I Give me all the Mets players because they're, they're there for the taking. Even if Mets fans don't want them, I will take them gladly, and I will gladly take their production. You have players on this team. They just need a little bit of – Extra oomph, little extra horsepower. And you do that by bringing in Real Muto and maybe possibly even George Springer. And you bring in Trevor Bauer. Holy crap. Now, I get it. There's a qualifying offer stipulation involved here. But, I mean, ideally, that's what you want to do. You want to make a big splash? You want to make a name for yourself? This is the way to do it. If you get one of these guys, that's a win for the Mets. That's a win for them. Because they're ready. You just mentioned the pitching staff. Even without the even without Trevor Bauer, that's still a pretty darn good pitching uh, rotation. Um, and you put in Real Muto, who's a, a solid catcher uh, back there, and you, all you have to do is pay him 165 million. And, and oh, not go, I mean, how far is 165 from 150? I, I, I was just gonna say this in the comments. You know, got to give a shout out to Henry and Melvin being real uh, chatty this morning. Am I crazy for saying that five 125 to Real Muto? I don't do. But four one ten, I would do. Am I crazy there's, for that? Yes, there's not that big I, of a difference. I, I feel like it is. That fi- oh god, it's not. It's, you want to be Jerry Reinsdorf? Uh, is that what you want? You want to be Jerry Reinsdorf and brag to the Chicago media? Oh well, we offered him this much money, but the other team just uh, they, they added more stipulations, or they they gave an extra one million, and we lost on that one million because we couldn't do it because we we have standards. Like no, this is why the White Sox are the White Sox. Now they just got lucky with all their prospects uh, showing up. Uh, when they did, but imagine this team being uh, having Manny Machado. Imagine this team having uh, Bryce Harper. If they, you know if the, the rumors are true that they were going after Bryce Harper too, but they, they, every year they go after all these free agents and then they strike out in the free agency, and then they settle for the second and third tier free agents. 
but how much how many how many 33 34 and 35 year old catchers do you find that are actually benefits to their team like I said, you don't you don't sign JT Ramuto thinking about 34, 35. You sign him for those first three years when you have a, an actual playoff content, contending window right now. We saw the numbers last year, Sean. They were pretty damn close to making the playoffs. And if you get Jacob DeGrom in game one in a wild card, that's that's monumental for any team. But you didn't because you're cheap and you don't want to spend money. You don't want to. You don't know how to acquire talent. And now you got a guy who's willing to change everything around for the New York. And you're saying, well, I don't want to spend an extra five million on a catcher who might be a difference maker. I mean, these these guys right here, Sean. These four guys, including DJ LeMahieu, those guys are difference makers in this free agent class. They, I mean, I think so LeMahieu. I think LeMahieu is limited value depending on where he goes. I mean, I think he's I think he's going to do very good. And I want to get to the infielders here because there's a real big group of infielders. And I think DJ LeMahieu is highlighting it, but he's probably not the best pick. And I might get slammed for that. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is a very good hitter. He's always been a very good hitter. And I mean, he won a batting title, gold gloves in, in Colorado. And then he comes to Yankee Stadium and everyone's like, oh, look at him. He can hit for 25 home runs now. No, he's not going to hit for 25 home runs anywhere else. He was designed for Yankee Stadium, a right-handed hitter who hits the ball to right center field and right field. Like, he doesn't know how to pull the ball. He's not going to hit those home runs anyplace else. And call it a Little League Park or just whatever you want to call it. He's not doing it elsewhere. It, could he go to another team and hit 300? For sure. I, he's shown that ability but he's not going to be this 25 home run, 100 run, 100 RBI, because a lot of that production right there is tied to both his spot in a very potent Yankee lineup and his spot in a Little League ballpark. Now, if he gets close to anywhere between 15 and 20 home runs, I mean, the real value to Lemayhu is not this power. It's the fact that he can drive the ball. You can. Yeah. You just mentioned hit the, I mean, that translates well in any ballpark, I think. I mean, there's. I mean, I, I like the guy. I like. I think he. he uh, that's why I have him up here as a real difference maker in this free agent class, especially because he could. You know, he's versatile. You know, we're all looking for that next Ben Zobras. I mean, think Ben Zobras <laughs> with the Cubs. This DJ Lemayhu guy could be that guy as he uh, knocks in the game-winning run in the World Series for for a lucky team. Um, so yeah, I'm all on board for DJ Lemayhu. I'm a big fan. Uh, I mean, and, and then look at his zips projection war. It goes from three point four to two point seven. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's, 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 that's the Asian here. curve. That's the Asian curve. Yeah, but I mean, two point seven is still not bad, especially if you're only going to give him a three year deal. I think he's going to get a four, maybe a five year, but four seems to be four years seems to be reasonable for a deal and make you and. And then he can do whatever he wants after those four years. He can retire into the sunset with his championship rings or whatever. That's yeah, I know. I keep saying that he's gonna win a championship ring sometime soon. Nothing's guaranteed in baseball, but I mean, he walks enough. He doesn't strike out too much, and I, I honestly do believe that a lot of this skill set that he brings is just is so transferable everywhere else. I mean, line drive hitter that that carries over anywhere. Put him with the Dodgers and. He gets another championship. Over Do you have any uh, ideas, thoughts on where he might go? Does he stay in Yankee Stadium? Does he stay with the Yankees? Does he stay yeah. in the AL East? I mean, I think the Dong City guys meant, uh, put it best. I think if you, I, I, if I believe, and Henry's right there, he can correct me if I'm wrong here. But I think they said that if, if the Yankees aren't going after, aren't going to try to bring back DJ Lemayhew, then then what is the point to all of this for the Yankees? 
So I, I think number one priority for the Yankees in my book is you bring DJ LeMahieu back. Um, aside from other teams, I have no idea. I, 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 I really didn't think about it too much, but I think staying in the East Coast would be beneficial to him just because of uh, how small those ballparks are too. Um, I know Dong City said the Red Sox would be a bad fit for him. But, you know, I believe they might be looking for a second baseman, just out of memory serves yeah. me right. Uh, and, yeah, I know he's a line drive hitter, but that's a lot of doubles, right? There's yeah. a lot of doubles to the, to the green. And then you just mentioned that he's a, he doesn't pull the ball. He hits it to the right side anyway. So, hey, if he's doing that anyway, I mean, I could see some, some cheap sliced home runs to the right field. So they could benefit from that. But – yeah, if he goes to the Red Sox, they're not going to win a championship with him. So, so yeah. <laughs> it has to be a contending team who's in need of, a, of an infielder, especially a second baseman. Uh, but the Cubs, maybe. The Cubs would be, I mean, Cubs been looking for a second baseman since Ben Zobris uh, started going bad on us, and he went through that ugly divorce. So, um, so that I mean, if the Cubs are serious about contending, that's – or I'm sorry, to stay on that contending window, that's you go and grab. Now, that qualifying offer, that's uh, – a that's going to be a, a kind of a, a deterrent, but all the more reason for the Yankees to be, uh, what do you call it? To be enthusiastic to bring him back. So I, yeah, DJ would have to be Yankees bound at this point, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these contending teams who are looking to get that extra oomph, you know, like the Mets are looking for real Muto to give them that extra oomph. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these contending teams go and grab DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. The, you mentioned the phrase contending team in need of an infielder. And that brings me to the infielder that is being slept on. I, I don't think I've really heard his name mentioned once in baseball life or like anywhere on ESPN, MLB trade rumors. And that's a guy who in 2019 put up a seven and a half four season, I believe was an MVP finalist. And that's Marcus Simeon and <laughs> the team, the contending team that is, in need of a shortstop, the Cincinnati Reds. Marcus yeah. Simeon, I feel like, would be perfect for that park. He reminds me so much of Zach Cozart. And Zach Cozart, you know, raked in Great American Ballpark, and then he went off to the West Coast and just absolutely fell apart. But I think Marcus Simeon is a guy who we're all sleeping on. Like, he didn't hit 33 home runs 120 plus runs and 90 RBIs. So like 210 total runs RBIs combined. He was really good and it came with some tangible, you know, improvements in the shortened 2020 season. He did have a down year. The BABIP was a career low. So maybe a little bit of unluckiness to it, but I think he's going to be the, one of the crown jewels of this free agency class that no one's really talking about. And do you, do you have any thoughts on Marcus Simeon on where he might end up or if he is going to get a longer term deal? I, I, Cause I feel like he could be someone who gets a five-year deal in a market where teams might be hesitant to hand out anything more than five. Now you believe the zip projections, I mean, they still ha- hold them highly. And the, yeah. they're thinking a five war player in 2021, four and a half in 2022. I mean, that's, that's pretty damn good. And especially in this free agent class. And you would think that, if those are the projections for a shortstop, uh, why not go all in on Marcus Simeon? My reservation is I still remember him with the White Sox, and I don't remember him ever him being this good or projected to be this good. He was supposed to just be a solid shortstop. I mean, there's a reason why they gave up on him and gave the uh, shortstop position to Tim Anderson over there. So um, 
the 30 home runs, I don't know. I don't know if I want to believe that from 2019. I mean, he he's had 27 more, in 2016. I, I know. I know. I know. But I think when I think of a Marcus Simeon, I think of him as a 15-15 player. 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Is that worth the money that he might be getting? I mean, if it's only three years and 51 million, that seems to be fair. But in the long-term thing, uh, in the grand scheme of things, is he a guy that puts you over the top if you're a contending team? Maybe. Is, is he, does he put you over the top if you're the Cincinnati Reds? I don't I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to say yes because the Reds have other holes that they need to uh, uh, plug, plug, clog up before they – decide that Marcus Simeon will be their savior. This is why Simeon is down here and not up here with these other four behemoths up here. So I'm very hesitant to have any team going after Marcus Simeon. I, 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 you know what it is, Sean? It, let's put it this way. If the, let's say the Cubs, if the Cubs sign Marcus Simeon, I would be very underwhelmed. I wouldn't be excited. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I wouldn't be excited. So, and that, that's, that's my overall feelings about Marcus Simeon. I think he's more of a 15-15 guy than a, than a 30-10 guy that he has shown in years past with the Oakland Athletics. Okay. And now the second youngest free agent, and he's now the youngest free agent available after Jose Peraza signed a minor league deal with the Mets. Uh, this guy, he, he, I feel like he's been around forever, but he just hit six years service time. Uh, Yurikson Profar, is there any room for him? And is he finally going to break out? I mean, we've seen players, you know, not break out until they're 29 or 29 years old. <clears throat> Marcus Simeon, someone who we just talked about. I mean, is there, <laughs> is Jurgsen Profar somebody like that? Man, we've been waiting on this guy forever, forever. <laughs> and, and they were telling, oh, this is the year he breaks out. This is the year he breaks out. And each time he it looks like he's going to break out, he gets traded anyway. <laughs> and he broke out technically he broke out with the rangers in 2018 hitting 20 home runs and stealing 10 bases he gets traded to the athletics he did the same thing with the athletics hitting 20 home runs nine stolen bases he gets traded to the padres and then the padres you know they they give him some at bats and and suddenly he's not at the second baseman any, anymore because jake cornerworth took his spot over so well I mean, what the hell man i mean it, it's very frustrating because we know what jerickson profile can uh his ceiling is and we're not seeing it so I, I, again, I'm pretty reserved. I mean, I like the kid, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations with him uh, at this point of his career. He might be a late bloomer. I mean, that's possible. That's that we've seen that happen before. I'm just not holding my breath for it. You know what I mean? I'm just, yeah. I'm not expecting it anytime soon. So outfielders, I know we already talked about George Springer, but he is not the only bat available in the outfield. Uh, I guess we could classify Marcelo Zuna as still being an outfielder, although he seems to be destined for a DH role. But there's a lot of other interesting names, Profar included, as he spent more time in left field than second base with the Padres, like you mentioned. Uh, guys like Jackie Bradley Jr. is now – he's a free agent for the first time. Michael Brantley, who has been really, really good for Houston and one of those guys who's just going to keep hitting and kind of reminds me of – how Nick Markakis' career is going, except Brantley's been way less durable. Uh, Robbie Grossman, a guy who I've always liked and finally had a, a solid year. He had a really high slugging percentage, which was the part that was always missing from his game. Uh, are there any outfielders, any of the guys I just mentioned, you know, some other guys like Jock Peterson is now a free agent. Uh, I've been saying for years that the Los Angeles Angels need a left-handed power hitter 
And, you know, they tried to trade for him last year and it, the, yeah. that deal fell apart. Um, yeah, are there any of these guys that you're interested in? No. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I mean, his bat, if, if, the, if his bat's going to be anything like it was in Atlanta, then I'm all in on Marcelo Zuna. But then, back of mind, I still remember his failed uh, campaign with the <laughs> Cardinals. So, uh, oh, oh, with the card. I, mean, I thought I thought you were going to say his failed campaign with the left field wall in St. Louis. <laughs> well, that's I mean, I mean that, that's he marched the- up. He marched up that wall, and he fell right back down. <laughs> I mean, all the more, all the more reason to think that he, he has very limited value because he's going. I mean, he's basically Eloy Jimenez. And what do I say about Eloy Jimenez? You need to free up that DH spot for Eloy Jimenez to give your team a break from Eloy Jimenez in the in, in left field. So Marcelo Zuna, same. Thing, but you know, established bat, established veteran. Uh, he's shown that he 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 can uh, hit for this power before. I just don't understand why it wasn't uh, a regular occurrence with the Cardinals. Uh, it, it always, it will never make sense to me. But whatever, I don't know. To Maybe Azuna's defense, his batted ball data when he was in St. Louis was still really good. He was hitting the hell out of the ball, and I know a lot of people in the in the fantasy baseball world and. In the in the industry, as they say, like they were they were like Ozuna's bouncing back. Ozuna's bouncing back, <laughs> and he finally did. So you know, it took him a while. It, it just, yeah, just daylight savings time and all that good stuff. Yeah, so I think I think Ozuna is the safest, despite the the uh, shortcomings in left field, is the safest choice in outfield. But if you're talking about Jock Peterson, I mean. What's he gonna do for you? I mean, he's still gonna get neutralized by left hand. Yeah, he's pitching. a platoon. Yeah, he's he's a platoon bat. And like Which I said, really we said that you know the Angels would be a good fit, but you know if Otani yeah. is gonna be their primary left-handed DH, then where do you put Jock Peterson? For I mean, first base they have Jared Walsh, who kind of reminds me a lot of Jock Peterson. It's yeah. one of those he he's not gonna really play the outfield anymore. So it, it's a very interesting class of it feels very top heavy with guys like Springer, Ozuna and Brantley. And then there's a couple of middling guys, Grossman, Brett Gardner. And then there's a whole lot of trash. (laughs) These are all death pieces. These are all players you get for depth. You don't get these players because they're going to, they're going to be the difference between you making the playoffs or staying in the playoffs and not these, these are guys that at depth, like Jack Peterson, for example, uh, who I must say, because I was, I was burned by him before in fantasy baseball, but he came up being the next uh, great hope, the next great athletic center fielder with power and speed and ends up just striking and not being able to control his strikeouts when he was given a full-time uh, playing status. And it wasn't until the Dodgers said, you know what, let's give him some part-time at-bats here and there, put him in good positions where he can succeed, that he that he become somewhat productive. But you got to keep that in mind that he will be neutralized by uh, left-handed pitching. So, so uh, yeah. That's like you mentioned, Robbie Grossman, Robbie Grossman, lightning in a bottle kind of guy, kind of got lucky in, in Oakland. I don't think there's anything to him. Michael Brantley, which Dong City mentioned. I'm, I'm trying to mention all these guys from Dong City, right? Because I want to, you know, sh- plug their show and kind of piggyback of what they were saying. But Michael Brantley, I think one of them guys said that they were, he was going to go to the Cubs. And I just started cringing. Now, if you're going to tell me that there's going to be a DH uh, in the National League for ever and a day then yes bring michael brantley in but we already have a questionable left fielder in kyle schwarber at least schwarber has a cannon for an arm which michael brantley with the shoulder injuries that he's sustained over the years i don't think he has anymore i don't trust him in the outfield 
but as far as professionalism and as far as uh, the, the 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 hitting skills, maybe he's the bat that the Cubs are missing, left-handed bat. But he is 34 years old, uh, and he they're saying that he's going to get a three-year deal. I'm more worried about him than I am about giving that big money to George Springer, even though it is less years and less money. I just what you're going to get one good season out of him, and you still got two years to pay for him yeah. on a team that needs so much more help than just getting a left-handed bat to bolster the lineup. Yeah, and so I was going to to kind of wrap up the outfielders. Looking at the Fangraphs projected, you know, the crowdsource contracts, would you rather your favorite team, whichever one, sign Ozuna to 470, Springer to the 5, what, what was the his offer, 5-1 something? 5-1-10. Would you five, rather, one, yeah, four, 470, 5-1-10, or the uh, – Michael, Michael Brantley. Brantley. Yeah, yeah, the Michael Brantley 345. Which one would you right. rather your team give out? All right. So for the White Sox, I'm going hard after George Springer. I agree. I think it was either Vin, I, you know, I can't remember the, the guys who said it, but Don City mentioned this. White Sox better go after George Springer. Like George And Springer he can play his primary position in right field. How cute. Yeah, and that <laughs> way you, you and that way Luis Robert can only focus on left field and center field <laughs> and not worry about right field anymore. Because you will have a – hell, not even worry about right center field anymore because you have a guy who can go and get it in right field. So you have that going if you're the White Sox. And, and besides, this is what – these are the types of moves you make if you're the White Sox. If the Mets don't want George Springer because they're too – they just want to tip their toe in the water and make sure that it's lukewarm enough for them to sign in, then let, let the White Sox take advantage of, of the Mets' hesitation okay. and bolster your lineup, bolster your outfield, and win this goddamn division that's so winnable right now. Next year, there's no excuse for the White Sox anymore. I'm done. The Twins look weaker coming into 21. The Indians are trying to trade away their franchise shortstop. There's no reason the White Sox cannot go out and win this AL Central next year. And you do this by signing players that are going to go and put you over the freaking top. Go get George Springer. <laughs> okay. Uh, and if you get Marcelo Zuna, don't – oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I would laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah. The White Sox better not get Marcelo Zuna. It's just not a good fit. It, it, that I mean, they have, like you said, they have the what? How old Jimenez is? Twenty three. They have the twenty three year old Marcelo Zuna already. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to uh, revolving door around the edge, and this is a team full of guys who need the revolving door on a designated hitter spot already. You need some all around good players on that team, not just some good hitters. Uh, as far as the Cubs go, I guess it makes sense for them to get Michael Brantley. I just, I'm not a big fan. I just. Uh, I guess they could do a lot worse than that, but I mean, something's better than nothing. But I, again, this is like the Marcus Simeon thing. If the Cubs sign Marcus Simeon, if the Cubs sign Michael Brantley, I'm okay with it, but I'm not super excited about it. There's really no reason to be excited about the Cubs nowadays, despite the fact that they still have uh, all their other core players still on the team, but Chris Bryant might be gone. And it's, um, it's a funeral procession on the north side more than anything. Uh, as much as I want to uh, have my hopes stay up with them, it's really, really hard to do so at this point. And none of these free agents are going to make a difference for this Cubs team right now. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, and who else were you talking about? Um, oh, yeah, we mentioned Robbie Grossman. Uh, I wish I would have had the foresight to kind of filter this by outfield and all the positions you mentioned. But Oh, it's okay. Um, yeah. I, I do have one last little thing to say and it's only because you mentioned it about the cleveland indians i predict and nobody asked me but i'm gonna predict it anyway the yankees don't re-sign dj dj lemayhew 
but they trade for Francisco Lindor and they sign him to a crazy deal. All right. And Glaber Torres moves to second base and oh. a t- tiny man can play in tiny ballpark and continue to try and hit 30 home runs, which he probably will in that ballpark. Uh, and, and I, I think that's the move in my Met, fellow Mets fans are going to hate me for it, but Francisco Lindor makes a whole lot more sense in pinstripes than he does Mets pinstripes. As you're seeing me, I am dancing my happy dance right now because if you're telling me that Glavar Torres will be second base eligible next year, then you just made my the Fantrax League, my decision for the Keeper League, uh, you just made it that much easier for me. I mean, yes. I think if Francisco Lindor went to the Yankees, he, I think, would re-legitimize himself as one of the best fantasy shortstops out there. Because if you look at what Francisco Lindor has started to do, I mean, this is a guy who hit, you know, 40 doubles and 30 home runs in three straight years. And I've said it a million times. I don't think he's a 30 home run hitter. But if he does play in the American League East, half his games in Yankee Stadium, he probably is a 30 home run hitter. I just, I don't like the idea of a smaller guy like that trying to turn himself into a dead pole hitter. That, that wasn't what he was when he came up, but I think he's become so enamored with hitting home runs that, you know, that's what people pay to see now. Yeah. They, they pay to see strikeouts and home runs. <laughs> uh, I'm more excited about the fact that I, I can't be, I can't stop smiling at the fact that Glavar Torres is going to be second base eligible next year if this happens. So <laughs> thank you for brightening up my Sunday this morning. Really appreciate that. Uh, and, you know, for those who don't know, we do have a baseball life, uh, fantasy baseball league. Uh, it is a keeper league. We're supposed to keep three players for next year. And I think Sean just made my dreams come true right now. Anybody else you want to talk about on this list? We have a lot of players. Dong City, if you guys missed it, they they broke down all the uh, big name free agents on Monday's show. Uh, so you can go listen to that episode again. You can, uh, If you're in the baseball group, you can uh, go into the announcements and check out their, uh, what do you call it, their episode, their most recent episode there. Yep. Or you can go on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, YouTube. We're all on, the, uh, on all of the big name podcast formats. Just look up the Life Group podcast and you will get access to all of our podcasts, in, including basketball, which, by the way, I was there. Hey, you know what? If we're, not, if we're done talking about free agents, we can talk about the next thing, which is the prospects, right? Yes. Let me segue into that. Last Wednesday, I was on the uh, Step Back podcast with uh, Leon and Jacob, right? And we talked about the NBA draft and we were kind of previewing the NBA draft, right? And it was, and I told him on that show, it's really, for me, it's no different talking about NBA prospects because we over here on Total Basis Podcast, we're always talking about prospects anyway, Major League Baseball prospects. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Uh, not, not the pitching, but the hitting. As you can see, I've updated it. We talked about Josh Lowe. And, you know, this, I want to bring up Josh Lowe one more time. And, and because we talked about Jock Peterson. And the reason why Josh Lowe, it, it was one of my guys that I was attracted to here at the very beginning of this uh, exercise is because I've always been attracted to those, those guys who are like the next Christian Yelich, Jock Peterson, yep. uh, Jerry Kalenic, Josh Lowe. I, I like me a good center fielder who happens to be left-handed, Sean, as much as I, I rail on those guys for uh, being left-handed. I'm always looking for that next Christian Yelich. And, and, and you, cause you, you, you asked me when I, when, when I brought him up and I didn't get a chance to, really explain myself as, as I retrospected on this one. It's like, you know what? I have, we all have a, a tendency to like certain prospects. That's the type of prospect I like. I want, I'm always looking for that next Christian Yelich. So I just wanted to bring it up since uh, we haven't had a chance to really discuss that any further. 
Um, but these are all the players we talked about over the span of this exercise. And where were we? We talked about Lucius Fox already, right? Yes. So we're, we're at Pevin Smith. Yes. We were going to talk about these guys a couple of episodes ago when Trevor was here, where he brought up Brian Packard. So we're going to start with Pavin Smith. This is the D-backs, uh, what was it again? Left-handed first baseman that Sean picked, 25 years old, 6'2", 210. He looks the part. Why do you like Pavin Smith so much? Well, he's been a prospect crush of mine for a while now. I know I've mentioned him several times on the show. I wanted to talk about him when we had Trevor on, but, you know, we got a little time crunch. And the main reason I wanted to talk about him two weeks ago when we had Trevor was that was the day after the morning of that the Diamondbacks straight up released Kevin Crone, the brother of CJ Crone, from his uh, from the organization. And this is a guy, Kevin Crone, who has been, you know, oogly-eyed by fantasy writers and people in the fantasy world because of his prodigious level power. I mean, I think in AAA and combined between AAA and the major leagues in 2019, he had something like 40-plus home runs. It was very reminiscent of, like, Pete Alonzo's last year in the minors. And the Diamondbacks, who really have – they have Christian Walker, who had a a nice breakout in 2019. They have Paven Smith, a former first-round pick in 2016 or 2017. And Kevin Crone, you know, a lot of guys that were, you know, all battling over the same little first-base DH jobs. And – with the release of Kevin Crone, that makes me feel like the Diamondbacks are really going to go all in on Paven Smith with Walker, probably who Walker has been a pretty good defender. So he could be trade bait uh, Paven Smith. They started working in the, in uh, the corner outfield spots in double a, when I saw him, he looked like he was athletic enough to play it. I'm not really sure what he's going to look like out there. If he played full time, but during all of the COVID stuff, they really worked on him getting quicker and faster. And for being a bigger guy, he runs very well. And they said that he had gotten so quick and so comfortable in the outfield that he was actually playing center field in some of the alternate site. So I don't know what the Diamondbacks are doing. You know, they have a catcher that plays center field. They now have a first baseman that plays center field, but the defense is not why we talk about Pavin Smith. Like you have in your notes, the strikeout to walks are fantastic. He was one of the few guys to post, you know, uh, sub 12% strikeout rates and like a plus 12% walk rate. He's just such a good hitter. And he had his cup of coffee uh, this year in the last couple of weeks, hit about 280, I believe. He's still tapping into that power. He doesn't have the power you would expect of a traditional first baseman. But I see a lot of Freddie Freeman in him, and I know that's that's a lot of high praise. You know, Freddie Freeman just won an MVP award, so congrats to Freddie. I'm not trying to put that much hype on Pavin, but I think he is that kind of hitter. And it'll be interesting to see how he works, especially with that release of Kevin Crone, which is what made me pick Pavin, because the release of Kevin Crone really it make, makes me think that Arizona's really going for it with Pavin. I mean, not going for it as in trying to win, but that they're they're willing to give Pavin all of the rope in the world. And yeah. if that's a big thing in fantasy is just getting an opportunity to play. Because right. like you said, that's why you like Salvador Perez. He plays all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one issue I have is that the power uh, is not 
elite for his position, but you know, they are working him in the outfield. So maybe it's not that big of a deal, but yeah, I looked at his minor league numbers and the ISO power is pretty low, but I mean, you can't argue with the pitch selection and the back control. The skills are there. Yeah. Just, uh, and at 25 years old, I don't know how much he has left to really improve uh, that aspect of his game. But like you mentioned, if the Diamondbacks believe in him and they want to give him all that opportunity, then I mean, that might just be what he's looking for. If Jose Altuve can develop power, so can Paven Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just put a little crook on your bat and you'll be fine. Or a little right. buzzer on your shoulder. <laughs> buzzer on your shoulder. You know, it's fine. Everybody cheats. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Trevor Bauer just won a Cy Young cheating. Who cares? <laughs> All right. My guy, Helio Ramos, uh, 21 years old, uh, little, kind of a little guy compared to your guy. Uh, he was. Um, Supposed to be a very up-and-coming, promising center fielder. And then I noticed that Fangraphs has him listed as a right fielder. And that kind of made me wonder, what, what's going on here? What, and why is he ranked so low? He's now number 60. I could have sworn that he was uh, on his way to be moved up and uh, up on that list. And it looks like he's just kind of stalled at 60. Uh, 2022 ETA still has uh, work to be done on, on the on the hit tool. Uh Average pitch selection and back control, some power in there. Speed's supposed to be really good. Fielding is kind of underwhelming at the moment, but he has a cannon for an arm. It's 50 future value, which is all you can ask for out of these minor leaguers. Is if you want them to be difference makers, 50 is a good starting point. Although, as we know, that number can rise and drop at a, at a moment's notice. Uh, so here are the notes. He has opposite power is improving. Strikeouts could be a big problem, and I, I could see why uh, he's kind of stalled in the rankings because of the strikeout issues. There's also speed concerns, and that's why he no longer is listed as a center fielder anymore and why he needs to be moved to the corner because he's actually – his speed has dropped, Sean. And that's very yeah. concerning for a guy who's supposed to be – who was supposed to be that next uh, big-time five-tool uh, center fielder with the speed and the power. All of a sudden, there's no speed to talk about anymore. Uh, you have any thoughts on Helio Ramos there, Sean? I want to say it's he's really started to bulk up in terms of like adding muscle and kind of like you said, if someone's hitting the ball to the opposite field naturally with a lot of power, um, it's very rare that it's someone that's small, smaller. I mean, a guy that was smaller and had a lot of great opposite field power. David Wright and kind of, you know, DJ LeMayhew to an extent, he doesn't have the prodigious power to the opposite field, but we just talked about how his power has improved in a smaller ballpark. He's always been someone that hit the ball hard. He just needed the ballpark to play toward his advantage, but Helio Ramos from what I've, I've seen a little bit of them, some of the film on him, and he's really started bulking up, but he is one of those guys that I tend to avoid in prospects. And like I said, I'm willing to, with and this is a flaw that I, I I try and acknowledge. I tend to pass on the guys who, oh look, he has all the tools. He's got the great arm. The ball jumps off his bat. I'm going to use all the euphemisms here, <laughs> because then they get to AAA or they skip AAA altogether and they get to the big leagues and they can't hit a breaking ball. And guess yeah. what? A pitcher, the pitchers are no, and they're just going to throw you breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, and you're either going to take them and walk or take them and get a fastball and you better be able to hit the damn fastball. And it's just one of those, 
I put a lot into the pitch selection and the bat control, which is something that I'm so glad Fangraphs is kind of distinguished between because it's so easy to just say, oh, he has a 55 grade hit tool. Well, is that a 55 grade bat control with 30 grade pitch selection? <coughs> Ahmed Rosario. Um, I, I think it's something to be wary of, but guess what? Half the time, I, I cast off all those guys, and then next thing you know, you have a guy like uh, who's – I can't think of someone off the top of my head. And then they come up and they crush the ball. But <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to whiff on those guys and get the guys that have more advanced hit tools just as an overall package. Yeah, and that's a shame because, I, like I said, Helio Ramos came with a lot of hype last year. And then what a difference a year makes, right? Last year he was uh, the next uh, big thing for the Giants. And now it, there's more questions uh, than hype surrounding Ramos. Too. It, it, it just goes to show you nothing's linear. Nothing's yeah. ever linear in baseball. This guy's seeing a drop in stock right now. But well, we'll see what happens with him. But his prospects don't look too good. I picked him just because he was a, a player that kind of jumped off for me as a, someone that I was researching last year. And to see him not to see him kind of decline already is kind of disheartening. Speaking of guys who have been declining, Jonathan India from the Reds. By the way, Brian Packard, we meant we talked about him uh, when Trevor was around. So I just wanted to put him on the big board here. So okay, uh, put it Jonathan on the board. <laughs> Jonathan India. 20, wow, I didn't realize he was twenty four years old. He's uh, he's getting up there. At least he'll be twenty four yeah. by advanced college bat by July first, twenty twenty one. He'll be twenty four. All right, Jonathan India, another one of them Reds, the uh, big-time prospects that they gave up on, so to speak, because they went out and got started acquiring free agents and veterans via trades, and and he was supposed to be that that another guy with a lot of hype, third baseman, six foot, two hundred pounds, right-handed hitter, uh, ETA for next year, decent hit tool, very good pitch selection, uh, back control could be. Uh, Wanting for more, power's okay, speed's okay, fielding's uh, not that bad. He throws really good, but suddenly he's a forty-five plus future value. I could have sworn this guy a, a few years ago was at fifty, and like we mentioned, these guys go up and down. There's nothing linear, nothing guaranteed on prospects. That's why I don't have a problem when when teams go out and trade about four prospects for a veteran pitcher, like our uh, like the Cubs did with our oldest Chapman. Cubs got a World Series out of it, and Yankees got Glaber Torres. And then they got three other prospects who no one knows about. Yeah, that uh, he was, you know, the fifth overall pick in the 2018 draft right after Nick Madrigal went to the White Sox. And then, of course, the top three in that draft were Casey Mize, Joey Barton, Alec Boehm. All three have already made their debuts and to a degree have made somewhat of an impact. Casey Mize struggled. Joey Bart showed that he has power and Alec Boehm was my pick for rookie of the year, which didn't pan out. Jonathan India was a guy who I thought was so funny because when I got to see both India and Madrigal in the Southern League, the uh, Birmingham Barons, which is the double-A affiliate for the White Sox, also known as the team Michael Jordan played for, (laughs) the radio guy for them, he is a very rambunctious, boisterous guy. And he was in the press box and he said, oh, the, the White Sox messed up. They shouldn't have drafted Madrigal. They should have got India. He was so much better, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I like Madrigal. I think they're both really good players. And I think they, of course, Jared Klenick went sixth, and he's probably going to be the best hitter out of all of those guys. Um, That's what I'm hoping. He was a 
you know, advanced prep bat, just like Madrigal and Boehm. I mean, they're all, you know, pretty well-developed hit tools. And the issue with Indy, it's me, was he played, you know, some shortstop in college at Florida, and then he's profiled more as a third baseman, but I don't think he has the power to be a third base. Now, if you move him to second, I think his hit tool and even the power to a degree is underrated by just simply looking at the stat line. I think he's someone that has a good feel on how to barrel up a baseball. And he could be their second baseman of the future. That's kind of one of those post-hype sleepers. I think he's a solid all-around defender. I, I, I really like him. And I think now where the price is on him, he was a much higher vet, you know, respected and viewed prospect. I like him now. And I've always liked him, but I definitely like him at this price rather than right after his draft. Second base does make more sense for this kid. A kid, he's 24 years old. He's not a kid anymore. He's a late bloomer at this point. But, but yeah, if you're telling me he's going to be a second baseman, then maybe I'll turn around on him. But some of the things that, about him on the notes here, he has a high walk rate. The guy knows how to take a pitch. I mean, we saw the pitch selection yeah. great at 60. So uh, he pops up too much. I think that's him trying to compensate for the power or lack of power. Or it could be that he had a wrist injury in 2019, and that really messed him up and his swing. So we're hoping that 2021 when, if there are minor league games uh, to be had, that he'll improve in that capacity. Now that he has a full year of, uh, uh, of uh, rehabbing that wrist uh, and he has good contact and defense. So solid all around player, just nothing is spectacular about him, but at second base, I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it right now. All of a sudden he doesn't look too bad. Does he? Yeah. He looks I, I, and I definitely could see him. If something happens with Moustakas, I, I don't know what the Reds were thinking giving Moustakas that contract. I, I really don't because I feel like Again, India yeah. is – he's a much more natural fit at second base, and I, I guess we'll see what happens. Well, they, they wanted to compete in 2020, and technically they did. They went to the playoffs, and and all that great pitching staff and all those moves were all for nothing because they got the, the Reds are just the 2015 Mets. They have great pitching, great hitters. And they're all playing the wrong position. <laughs> no, I, I give the Mets, the 2015 Mets, a little bit more credit. I think there was, a, um, that was a more complete team. The Reds coming into 2020 season had so many question marks. Yeah, they went out and got uh, a bunch of free agents and a bunch of veterans via trade, but they didn't address all of their problems, mostly in the outfield. They, they still had uh, a revolving door in outfield. They had uh, issues at, um, oh, shoot, I, I had, I, I, now it's escaping me right now at the moment, but you know, they still don't have a good hitting catcher and they just Tyler Stevenson. Hello. Oh, he could be one of my prospects next week. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's uh, go to the pitching staff really quick. Uh, so these are all the players we've mentioned so far as of uh, right now. And we're going to start today with, George Kirby, George Kirby from the Mariners, 23 years old, big on 6'4", little lanky to 201 uh, pounds, 201 pounds. <laughs> the number six ranked uh, Mariners uh, prospect, ETA's 2022, decent fastball, good curveball. Uh, command is supposed to be really good. And he has a fastball that sits at 97 miles an hour. Uh, that could top at 97 miles an hour. 45-plus value, though. Uh, my notes I have here is that he's a mid-rotation future starter for the Mariners. The Mariners want him to be thicker. And he has, quote-unquote, vanilla secondary stuff. 
Why do you like a guy who has vanilla secondary stuff and George Kirby there, Sean? Well, one, anytime I see somebody with 70 grade command, you know what I immediately think of? Chris Paddock, Shane Bieber. These are all guys that just had great command. And he's only had 23 professional innings because he was drafted in 2019. But in those 23 innings in low A ball, not one walk. And then this year at the alternate site, uh, George Kirby was casually sitting, not touching, sitting in the upper 90s at the alternate site. And he's got the frame to sustain that kind of velocity. And if you can sustain that velocity with that kind of command, it's hard not to fall in love with it. And I think that's one of those guys in that the Mariners might be onto something I, you can definitely see a philosophy that they're going for. Um, Emerson Hancock was their pick this year. Another college arm with good command. Uh, George Kirby and, oh, God, what's his name? Logan Gilbert. All of these guys are bigger framed pitchers with plus command. Uh, LJ Newsom, who I talked about earlier this year, is kind of the, a nobody prospect, but he has 70-grade command. Uh, you're sensing a theme here. They're picking yeah. guys that can throw strikes. And I think it's a whole lot easier to throw strikes and develop an out pitch than it is to have a God-given out pitch like, you know, Denelson Lamette slider and not be able to know where it's going. So it's definitely a philosophy and organizational change. Uh, I, I think we've seen enough of a sample size of who they're drafting and how they're developing them to say that. And I think Kirby's the one that's being slept on behind guys like Gilbert, and Hancock, who is, you know, their top pick this past year. And I think Kirby's the guy who could be the best value in, you know, dynasty startups and like stuff like that. Yeah, it's a good point that you make there. And I'm surprised, you know, if Jerry DePoto hasn't traded him by now, that you know he liked him. So, uh, all right. So that's George Kirby. Keep an eye on him and see if he gets thicker as the years go on. We move on to. Clark Schmidt from the Yankees, who did have a cup of coffee of, of sorts in 2020. Uh, 25 years old, 6'1", 200 pounds, right-handed pitcher. Um, the 111th ranked uh, prospect on the Fangraph big board there. He wasn't high. Um, he was, I thought he was higher than that. Yeah, he must have dropped okay. or something. I, I, that's the reason I looked him up, because I could have sworn as well that he was much higher than this. But I guess I was wrong, or maybe we imagined it, or maybe he did drop. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there's a way to find out, but uh, I'm kind of busy right now. So <laughs> decent fastball, really good curveball, according to if you according to the grade here at 70, 70. Uh, change up in command could use a little bit of work. I'm a little underwhelmed by the fact that his fastball tops 96 miles an hour for a 50 future value player. That's a that's a little bit underwhelming for me. He did have Tommy John surgery in 2017. There's always injury issues with him as he seems to go be missing a substantial amount of time, which explains why he's 25 years old and now just getting called up to the Yankees uh, has a really funky delivery. And we don't know much about him because he's been limited with his work. So that's Clark Schmidt. Uh, we saw him. I think, I don't think he got a start right this past season. I think he was mostly used out of the bullpen. As he, ma- he made one start, but I believe it was a opening assignment. I'm not hundred percent sure. Three appearances. One was a start. Uh, let me see. It was his last game and he went four innings. He started the game and went four innings. So he was used, uh, went four innings, uh, four hits, three earned runs, four strikeouts, two walks. I, I like the profile. Uh, it's get, you know, yep. uh, well-assembled arsenal. 
you know that I, if, when a young pitcher has at least three or four pitches, I'm going to like them. Uh, he seems to throw enough strikes. Uh, he pitches on a winning team, which is always a big plus, but yep. he's a pitcher in the American League East, mm. which is usually a big net negative. So it should be an interesting uh, career to follow. I definitely like the upside. Yeah, the upside's there. Uh, there's a lot, like I said, there's concerns about his durability. And like you mentioned, very, very good point there that he does pitch for the AL East. But at the same time, in fantasy circles, yeah, he might have a 4-5 ERA, but he'll get 17 wins with the Yankees, right? Hey, he that's, a, that's a Rick Purcello Cy Young season right there. There you go. Oh, another, hey, another free agent. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about him, uh, unfortunately. But uh, Angels no, are going to sign him to a one-year $13 million contract. Him and Jake Arrieta, that's going to be a dynamic duo in L.A. You know what? That's better than what they have now. I, Rick Purcello and Jake Arrieta, yes. Jake Arrieta by himself at, at the money that you were talking about earlier on the show? No. Rick Purcello <laughs> for one year, though? That might not be too bad. That might not be too bad at all, especially for the Angels, especially when we saw what the uh, numbers suggested about the Angels is that maybe they could have been a little bit better than what their uh, than what their record showed. But then again, it might just be Mike Trout trying to carry that team on his back and Mike Trout alone. And Anthony, Anthony Rendon also had a really great season as well. So, so but it, yeah, it takes more than two players to get you over the top. So that's Clark Schmidt from the Yankees. I, I, I want to see his curveball. Uh, I, I might need to go on to the stat chasm and take a look at his curve pitches because I'm kind of curious what to see what a 70-70 curveball looks like. You always see the 70-70 fastballs, but never the 70-70 curveballs, at least not on, uh, you know, when I'm looking, I never get to see that. Last guy, guy, don't call him Tom and Jerry. It's Yeti Rodriguez. Or for, you know, for our Anglo friends, it's, it's call him Jerry Rodriguez. Screw it. <laughs> Texas Rangers, the rare, uh, the rare, pitching prospect for the Texas Rangers, right? Ever since I can remember, they've never had a good pitching prospect down there. I don't know. I might have to do something with the old ballpark. I don't know if this new ballpark will be a difference, but 23 years old, 6'2", 180, so a little bit on the on the skinny side there. He's a number He's a number two Rangers prospect, number 96 on the Fangraphs big board, supposed to be due up in 2021. Uh, again, just like uh, Clark Schmidt, decent fastball. Uh, curveball is lacking a little bit. Changeup is uh, might be a thing here. Uh, fastball sits at 92-96 with a top of 98. 50 future value there. Let's see what the notes uh, say about him. He has advanced east-west command. So I'm, I'm assuming left and right, left and right, yeah. break, whatever. He, uh, uh, the curve is still a, a raw pitch, a work in progress, but it could be a thing. He yields a lot of strikeouts. But yeah. just like Clark Schmidt, there's a lot of injury concerns with him as well. What can you tell me about Yeri Rodriguez here? I did not know he was going to be on your list, so I am completely right. spitballing here. I know you right. sent it to me. I didn't notice him. I just looked at Kirby and Schmidt, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, I, it, I'm uh, – like you said, Texas Rangers and pitching just doesn't seem to go hand-in-hand. Hand. So I'm automatically worried. Um, if there is injury concerns, I'm even more worried. Uh, Schmidt, I'm less worried. If he's already had the Tommy John, then yeah. I think I think that's a plus when analyzing young players. Have you had Tommy John? Yes. Okay, so you're probably not going to need it for the next five years. Um, but Rodriguez could be to see someone have that high of strikeout totals at such a young age in their first like stateside season is definitely something that raises eyebrows and is something that everyone should 
at least keep tabs on. Yeah, and here are the strikeouts uh, for those who can't see. Uh, in 2018 in Rookie League, he had 34.8 strikeout rates. Uh, that number dropped a little bit in a and low A ball at to 26.5%. But then it went back up in single A ball at 30%. So that, that's intriguing enough. And of course, the walk's a little bit of a concern. 2019 in, in A ball, he had a 7.4 walk rate. A little bit on the high side there. But again, uh, this looks like a nice bullpen arm in the making, but obviously they're going to try him out and, and uh, at starting pitching for, you know, from the get-go because you, 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 you cannot rank this high and automatically be put in the bullpen. No, you're, you're going to be given a chance from no. just from patterns that we see all over baseball. You're going to be given a chance to uh, see what you're made out of and the rotation. That's how Jerry's uh, familiar was. <laughs> Yeah, that, you know that's long, what I was long, long time ago. Jerry's familiar was a starting pitcher. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. Like, like who who has this weird spelling to an American name? And Jerry's familiar is one. And then there's another Mets player, Henry. 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 He was a starting pitcher. I actually saw. I didn't realize it at the time, but I saw him start a game at City Field. A, a random story, but whatever. Yeah, Henry Mejia. He had a, a weird spelling as well. Right. How did How we did get on the topic of Henry Mejia? That's what I wanted. To know. You're a Mets homer, man. You're a Mets. Yeah. You can't help yourself. Hey, you said his oh. name first. You said his name first. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gonna be because of the uh, the weird spelling. Yeri, Henry, and Hioris, Hioris Familia. <laughs> anyway, that's that's that that that's it. Two, you guys got two spreadsheets out of me this week. I'm uh, I'm uh, proud of myself. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, if you want to check out the free agent tracker, go over to Fangraphs, or if you want my spreadsheet, just ask and I'll send it to you. I don't care, uh, whatever. <laughs> you could uh, do what you want with it. Um, just let me know uh, in the comments or PM me. I'll uh, be glad to send it over to you guys. But uh, that's it, man. Any last words uh, before I, we let, we uh, call it a night or a day or an evening? No, I'm glad that we touched on some of the bigger free agents. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about trades, but maybe that could be in for a future show because I think we will see more trade, big trades than we have had recently due to this very weird market, uh, <laughs> which I, I think this market is summed up in the fact, I mean, obviously we saw Brad Hand get uh, non-tendered or actually DFA'd, um, but then we saw Mitch Moreland, who is a guy that the Padres traded for, two prospects that I like, and he had a $3 million option. $3 million. That's <laughs> pennies. And they non-tendered it. A guy they just traded two quality top 30 prospects in their organization for, and they non-tender him over $3 million. It's, it's very bizarre to me. And I think that's going to be very telling of how this free agent market develops. It's going to be very, very slow. And especially yeah, with no in-person winter meetings, I think it's going to really drag. But and we'll I'm say. sorry, what was that? What was that free agent you were talking about? I was distracted over here. Mitch Moreland. Oh wait, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah oh. I mean, he was non-tendered, and yeah, he was only right. owed three million dollars. <laughs> hey oh, man, some of these teams are very penny pinching when it comes to that type of stuff. Like, I don't want to be a million dollars over the tax. Screw that. I'm not doing that. We'll give Manny Machado thirty million dollars a year, but Mitch Moreland, no, you can't have three million. That's oh, fun. Rant over. Uh, the reason I was, uh, oh, that's your rant. Okay, okay. So we, okay, I keep that in mind for next time. Um, the reason I was distracted is because I was looking for the next upcoming schedule for us. Uh, November 22nd is our next show. By then, we should have uh, Hall of Fame talk because I, I think the ballots are released on the 16th, which is tomorrow. Um, 
or something's happening. There's going to be some announcement with the, with the Hall of Fame. I noticed that there was no uh, committee uh, to induct any player from certain eras like they've done, done in the past uh, few years or so. And that won't be done until 2021. So we'll have to wait till then. But uh, yeah, something's going to happen with the Hall of Fame. So we're, this is around the time of year where we should be talking about the Hall of Fame anyway, because it's uh, yeah. it's going to be up and running. November 29th, we're off for the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. So we're going to give ourselves a break here. December 6th, uh, maybe some winter meeting stuff happens. I, I think yeah. that is the first of the winter meetings. So maybe a little bit of preview there. Although, as you mentioned, maybe there's nothing going to happen because it, it's not in person. Uh, December 13, we might do a winter meetings wrap-up show, or we just keep talking about fantasy baseball. We don't know yet. It's up in the air. Uh, December 20th, same thing, but we will be on the air. And then we'll be off the December 27th, January 3rd. And I, I got to hype this up. Starting January 10th, season two of the Total Basis podcast will premiere as we are going to uh, go on this format of uh, seasons instead of just uh, continuing to accumulate episode numbers, which, you know me, I, I like like the Effectively Wild podcast around episode number 1,376. Like, uh, why? <laughs> it's too much. But yeah, season one will forever be the 2020 season where our theme was cheating is everybody. Everybody is cheating. 2021 will be a different theme. I, I, I bet. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, that brings us to the next, the other shows, Dong City. I find, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but I, 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 I had to listen to it with my own ears. Uh, but I found out very surprisingly that they're going to go to an every other week format because of the off season, which I thought those guys were just going to keep doing episodes until the year end. But I guess <laughs> even they need a break as uh, they've been pretty much the rock of these uh of these uh, life group podcasts as they've been going at it since the very beginning of the, uh, of the, uh, when we, 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 uh, we, when we initialized these uh, podcasts back in January. So good to see that they're going to take a much deserved break over there, but we'll pick up the slack for them. We'll go every week as mentioned based on the schedule I just read out uh, the step back also going every other week, although I, we're going to have a watch party for the NBA draft on Wednesday. So be sure to catch us at ball is life. Go join our group, uh, our basketball groups. And then let's watch uh, our basketball teams mess up this draft for your, <laughs> for rooting interests or whatnot. Uh, <laughs> and then of course the audible football life, they go two for one week. They go the preview shows on, uh, no, I'm sorry. The wrap up shows on Tuesdays, the preview shows on Friday. And then we start every Sunday morning. Your life group podcast week starts with us, the Total Basis Podcast, Sunday mornings, Baseball Life, the best baseball group on Facebook. Join us and make sure you listen to us. Follow us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Life Group Podcast. Catch us there. Catch all the podcasts there. And that's it. That's all I have for you. Enjoy your football. Enjoy your Sunday. And we'll see you next week.